Welcome to The Well Podcast, where we post the audio messages for our Sunday sermons. For more information about us and how to get further connected, feel free to visit our website at thewellaustin.com. Good morning, y'all. My name is Inyaki Lopez. I am a covenant member here at The Well, and uh, I also serve on the greeting team. And my wife and I get to host the Highland CG. I'm going to be reading out of Joel 2, verses 21 through 29. It says, Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done great things. Fear not, you beasts of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness are green. The tree bears its fruit, the fig tree and the vine give their full yield. Be glad, O children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he has given the early rain for your vindication. He has poured down for you abundant rain, the early and the latter rain, as before. The threshing floors shall be full of grain. The vats shall overflow with wine and oil. I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter, my great army, which I sent among you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied, and praise the name of the Lord your God, who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never again be put to shame. You shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I am the Lord your God, and there is none else. And my people shall never again be put to shame. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Happy New Year. Uh, I miss y'all a bunch. Um, I, I hate being gone for long seasons, even though Reset was really good for my soul. Uh, there's nothing like the saints of God being together. Amen? Amen. Uh, we good? Yeah? Okay. Um, well, hey, we're beginning a new six-week series uh, this morning called Mountains and Valleys. Uh, now, I almost entitled this sermon series, Whatever We Want to Talk About, Uh, But I felt like that was kind of cheesy. It was actually corny and not really catchy at all, okay? Because the series felt scattered kind of at first. So then I almost entitled the series, Let's Talk About It, because that's broad enough to talk about whatever we want to talk about, but that's also kind of corny, okay, and it's lazy. So uh, I was talking to one of my really good friends and my uh, ministry partners, Rob Daniels, who pastors a church up in Dallas about this series, and was talking to him about what I felt like the Lord was putting on my heart uh, for our church in this season and my own life personally, what I felt like God was speaking to individuals. And he reminded me about how closely connected a lot of these themes are with Psalm 23 and how closely connected that series was back then with what we're actually going to do over these next six weeks. And so if you were here for that, Psalms 23, uh, at least for me, it was a pivotal sermon series. uh, And I feel like the Lord did a lot of healing in the midst of that. I feel like God did a lot of redemptive work in the midst of that. I feel like God did a lot of preparation for the season that was to come in the midst of that series. And it was a really special series. Y'all remember we read Psalm 23 in like 16 different languages or something? Yeah. Um, And I realized that each week in this series, there's this extremely strong connection to Psalm 23, hence the title Mountains and Valleys, that even though I walk through the valleys, God is with me, 
right? And God is leading me to green pastures and God is leading me to set tables and God is leading me up into the mountains of God, that eternal dwelling place where we will be with him forever. No matter the valley for the Christian, the mountain is coming. And so we're gonna hit on several topics in this, but each of these topics will kind of root us in this idea of Psalm 23 as we kind of reframe that once again in what I feel like God is doing for our church. And so today what we're gonna talk about is uh, something that I believe that God has for each of us in our individual lives. I feel like God gave me a thought for kind of my life personally. And then as I prayed into it more, I felt like it was for our church kind of corporately and that it would even apply to individuals at large. Normally at the beginning of uh, the new year, a church tends to do kind of a vision series for the church, but I actually want to do kind of a vision series for your life. And what I feel like God is doing in your life and what I feel like God wants to speak over you and through you in a lot of ways. And I'm actually really scared to preach this, okay? And so I'll tell you why in a moment, but I really wanna talk about what I hope that God does in our life as a church family, okay? And so today we're talking about our own individual vision uh, and then uh, with, with this idea of restoration. And then next year we're actually, or next year, next week we're actually gonna talk about spiritual warfare, okay? Now, Yusuf incorrectly said that I was going to do an entire sermon series on spiritual warfare. That is not true. You put this random pressure on me, all right? Uh, but we'll at least discuss it for one week. And then your shepherds have resources that we gave to them. So if you wanna dive into it more, uh, ask your shepherds in your CG. They should have some stuff. And so spiritual warfare next week. And then we're gonna talk about Sabbath and the value and the importance of Sabbath. And then lament and then celebration and then calling. Y'all see how this feels kind of random? All right, it ain't, it's all gonna connect, okay? And so today what we're doing is talking about this idea of vision for our own life. And we're in Joel chapter two. And uh, I wanna communicate to us what I feel like the Lord is really pressing on our heart. Uh, as I just told you, I told multiple people this week that uh, this is the most nervous I think I've ever been about preaching through a text. If not the most, it's for sure in the top five, okay? And we've talked through some really scary, some crazy, some hard text, right? Like we've talked about things that most people tend to not talk about and I feel a weight, a burden uh, this week. I'm nervous for today. And so with that confident, mysterious intro, all right, let's dive in to the sacred and this beautiful text, okay? Uh, Joel, really random book, right? Uh, if you have your physical Bibles, you may have had a hard time finding it in your Bibles. Uh, Joel is not a very well-known book. People don't just be randomly quoting Joel, right? Like you're not gonna find verses of Joel on your coffee mugs. You're not gonna find them on picture plaques at like Mardell or family Christian bookstores, right? Um, but it's a powerful book nonetheless. And so as best as I can, let me give you an overview because we're picking up in the middle of Joel chapter two, but it's important to know where we came from. Uh, Joel was written during a time that Israel was in a very serious famine. A plague of locusts had come and it decimated their land. Now, while today locusts may seem like, meh, not that big of a deal, we have to realize the context of this book, of this land, of this uh, era that they were in. Everything runs off of agricultural systems during this time. And these locusts, they came and they destroyed everything. 
all of the crops, right? All of the produce, all of the budding crops that were coming up, all of the land, they completely ruined the nation of Israel. It was a hard, hard season for them. You see the verse there on the screen, but Joel chapter one, verse four says, what the cutting locust left, the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust left, the hopping locust has eaten. What the hopping locust left, the destroying locust has eaten. Four plagues, right? Uh, and them mugs are big and gross too. Y'all ever seen locusts? Talk about spiritual warfare. Them mugs are demonic, all right? Um, and so there's all of this devastation that's happening in Israel. There's a lot in chapter one, but fast forward to chapter two as well, beginning of verse three. It says, fires devour before them and behind them a flame burns. The land is like the garden of Eden before them, but then behind them a desolate wilderness and nothing escapes them. Fast forward down to verse nine, right? It says, they leap upon the city they run up the walls, they climb up into the houses, they enter through the windows like a thief. The sun and the moon are darkened and the stars withdraw their shining, like devastating, y'all. You can't see the sun and the moon because of how many locusts there are in the sky. It would be like if our entire country lost electricity for like months or, or maybe even years, our entire economy would crash and our whole way of life would change because we depend on electricity for almost everything that we do. That's how it was for them with agriculture. And so Israel is in this tough, this difficult, this depressing, this tiring, this taxing, they are in a very hard season. And maybe not like a plague of locusts on our land, but similarly, I think a lot of us are currently in or are just exiting and navigating out of very hard seasons as well. It has been a hard season for many and maybe not every single individual in here, but for a lot of us, because I know you well, like it has been a really taxing season. It's like there's a plague of locusts on your land. For our church collectively, it was a hard season, right? There's a lot of heavy or a lot of hard things. Even in the midst of blessing, there was still this kind of underbelly of hardship that we went through last year. Personally, 2022 was by far the hardest year of my adult life. And so I felt like I was eating locust pie, drinking locust honey, right? Sleeping on locust bed, breathing locust air, it was hard. And y'all know that if you've been here, right? Like I don't front up here on stage. I've been very open about that. And I also know y'all, and I know there's been a lot of loss. I know there's loss of family members or of friendships or of jobs, or for several of us, it was really hard. And we couldn't even really put our finger on why it was so hard. There was just a general disposition of sorrow in the heart. It's been a hard season. Individually, corporately, it seemed like the locusts were, were climbing into the windows, like it said there, and thieving from us in the middle of the night. And even for those of us who are fine, if we're doing community well, because we're around other people that are suffering, we're mourning with those who are mourning, and therefore it was hard for us as well. It was a lot of locusts, it felt like. And here's where the absolutely terrifying part of my sermon come in. Uh, Joel 2, the passage that Anyaki read, I think for many of us, this next season is going to totally reverse the previous one. 
And it's gonna be a year of abundance. And it's gonna be a year of blessing. And it's gonna be a year of goodness and of harvest and of joy, a year of good. When I said scary, you thought I was gonna say, it's been hard, it's gonna get harder, <laughs> right? Uh, why is blessing scary to me? Well, here's the deal, okay? Uh, I got saved and kind of grew up in a more prosperity-driven church. And while Joel 2 may be less familiar to my uh, typical evangelical, to my charismatics, you have this passage memorized, right? Travis was up in here like, amen, speaking in tongues over there, right? It's like blessings are going to pour down on your head more than you are able to receive, right? Shaken together, pressed up, runneth over. You will be the head and not the tail. Wow. And then if you grew up in that sort of church, hardship comes and you're like, well, dag, right? Like this guy must be a false prophet making profit off of my hope. Hello. And I desperately don't want to be that person. Like desperately do not want to be that person. And so I get fearful, maybe even a little bit of history, preaching stuff like this, because assuredly for someone in here, I'm going to be like, this is your year. Like we all said in 2020 and then locusts are going to come, right? New decade, new me, we were all saying, right? And then all locusts broke loose. The locusts hit the fan, if you know what I mean, okay? And so for some of us, maybe not this year, but even this week is probably going to be a hard week. And we'll talk about that in a second and what we do with this, because it doesn't render this passage that we're reading today untrue. It just renders it not yet fulfilled. We'll talk about that. Okay. But for the past two months, I've been really wrestling with this sermon because I think that many of us are about to enter into a season of blessing, of harvest, of joy, or the title for this series in the word I feel like God spoke over me this year is restoration. I feel like a lot of us are going to see things restored. God restoring, verse 25, what the locust has stolen. Personally, I believe that corporately. I kind of feel that over your own individual lives. I think that that is going to be true in your relationship with God himself. I think there will be restoration and abundance, a a sense of savoring what may have felt dry. And I'm hopeful for this. Okay. And so Joel chapter two, why, why can we begin to apply that? Actually, Sorry, before we get to Joel 2, uh, look real quick. It's on the screen. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. It says that all scripture is breathed out by God and it is profitable, right? For teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, family, equipped for every good work. All scripture is inspired and it is present for us, for our benefit or for our instruction or for our training or joy or promises or for the command of our life. And so Joel 2 wasn't just some random event that was happening in Israel and it was just that alone. I'm sure there's a lot of other plagues that happened in Israel that was not recorded in the word of God. And so God wanted this particular plague to be recorded for our instruction, for our training, that we might know ourselves more, that we might know God more, that we might see the way that God interacts and expect him to act like that in our life because our God is an unchanging God. 
He is faithful and true. And so this passage is not just this prophetic prophecy from Joel for the Israelites only, but it's also here for our instruction, beloved. There are times and, and, and these various factors that come, sometimes the sin of our own life, sometimes the brokenness of this world, sometimes the sin of others that end up impacting us, that locusts and famine, they come into our lives. And then out of God's abundant mercies and out of the riches of his grace, there come seasons of harvest. And here's why I sense this for us. Joel 2. Notice there's this complete reversal of their lot. I did some compare and contrast sections here for us, just so you can see, but we see in chapter one, verse 16, there was no joy and there was no gladness. And yet here in Joel chapter two, verse 21, there's a total reversal of this, of joy and gladness. So note what Joel is about to do here. He's not just saying, hey, there was a lot of things in your life that sucked, but God's gonna come through and kind of give these different things. No, it's going to restore. That means taking those former things and making them new again. God is always reworking all things. He's reworking creation, including things like your joy and happiness. This drought-ridden country, chapter 1, verse 17, is now going to receive this life, this abundance that is there. The wild beast in chapter 1, verse 20, which Joel kind of gave this whimpering prayer about, they also should take heart because God is not only going to restore Israel for Israel's sake, he's even going to begin to work it out for the animals of the land to receive God's blessing as well. Though the pastures are still brown at the moment, chapter 1, verse 19 and verse 20, it is not going to be this way for long. The trees will no longer be dead branches, but they will produce fruits, right? I need that in my yard because my trees ain't got no leaves, right? The prayers of God, chapter 1, that were unanswered throughout all of chapter one and chapter two are now going to be answered, the scripture says. And in fact, what Joel is alluding to is, if God is going to do this for nature, won't he do that that much more for the crown of his creation, people? Right, that's Joel's message. Do you know what that sounds a lot like? Sounds like Romans chapter eight which almost every theologian say, this is where Paul got his Romans 8 theology from. He begins with saying, look, there are all of these animals and this creation that is groaning, but, but God is going to restore things so much that even that creation, even God's, uh, uh, the, the inanimate objects that are around, like the trees, they will receive life in abundance as well. Why? Because God works out all things for good, for those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. Will not God work out all things for good? There's no trick in the Greek, all means all. With the locust that's stolen, not only will God give different, he will restore, he will work that out for good as well for those who love him. Won't slaughter, Romans chapter eight, verse 36, actually turn into blessing? And so Joel is saying, hey, like take heart, there's going to be a reversal, a restoration of God that is coming on your life and be encouraged and be ready when that season comes so that you might receive it, family. Notice in these verses, there's this joyful response to this prophetic blessing. 
I think it's really interesting that God is calling for this joyful response to something that is yet to happen. Look at verse 21, right? The grass is still dead and the grass is still brown. And yet there's this rejoicing as if this goodness has already come. Why? Because God's promise is upon them. Joel here is proclaiming the realities of Joel too, without the cross or the resurrection, by the way, where we see God's faithfulness in full. We know that restoration can come in much greater ways than what Israel knew how to expect or to experience. We know that God keeps his promises in much more significant ways that he can turn the deepest brokenness into joy and into life. But even here, based on God's past character, they can begin to believe this prophecy. I thought that would excite a few more people this morning. Thought I'd get at least a couple of amens in here, right? Here, let's zoom in a little bit more if you don't see it, okay? Notice what the Lord has done here. It says that the fields are green, though they're not yet, but it's coming. The trees, they currently bear fruit, but they don't. They're in the middle of a plague, okay? Uh, this produces these yummy grapes that they can enjoy, but it also begins to produce this wine, which represents these feasts in this fullness. The full yield is going to come, is what this text says. In fact, in verse 23, it says that there's going to be early rain, and then there's going to be abundant rain. And then in case you missed it, he turned to a black preacher and said, early rain again. And then he said there was a latter rain that's coming as well. And verse 24 says they're gonna have this full grain that comes in. Instead of locusts eating the livelihood of the people, the people eat in abundance instead. There's restoration that is coming. Joel is saying good is coming, but, 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 look y'all, but you have to anticipate it and you have to receive it. It's interesting in verse 23 that we have to be commanded to be glad. We see that all throughout the scriptures though, right? We desire goodness and when it comes, we then have a hard time receiving it and being glad for it. And so we have to be commanded to rejoice often. In fact, the command to rejoice is given over 200 times in the scriptures because we're bad at it. And we have to continually be commanded to rejoy ourselves in the Lord. Um, and I think that we don't really rejoice because we don't anticipate God's blessings because we falsely get deceived and believe like Eve in the garden that God is not really for our good and therefore does not have good coming for us. That he's going to withhold from us again in this next season as well. In fact, we often blame our hardship, not on our own sin or on the locusts of this world, but we tend to blame our hardship on God and yet often think that blessing comes from our own efforts as if every good and perfect gift doesn't come from God above. Why? It's because suffering family and hardship, seasons of locusts have a way of not just stunting our joy for a limited time, it has a way of trying to steal our joy for a lifetime. And we have to be prepared to rejoice, rejoy again, and to receive God's goodness. Because there are seasons of God where verse 25, he restores what the locust has stolen, which I think is what many of us will walk into either now or very soon in the season to come. 
But we have to have joy to receive it. We have to rejoice. Now remember, we're talking about lamenting during this series as well. So this isn't some weird prosperity, name it, claim it, speak it sort of sermon, right? Like this may not be the season that you're headed into personally. It may feel more like Joel 1, a season of suffering. However, even if your season is Joel 1, Joel 2 is in there so that you might see the heart of God, family. God's heart is for your blessing, beloved. Do you hear that? Right? He is for your good, for your joy. God is a good father who loves to give good gifts to his children. And peep y'all, right? Let's not get it twisted. Sometimes those good gifts from God are the gift of suffering. And the sellers of affliction is where the best wine is found. Right? And the fires of trials are where the purest gold is furnished. Your soul is often sanctified through struggle in ways that it cannot be sanctified through victory and ease. So for the Christian now, even suffering becomes a blessing and a gift because it is preparing us for a glory that is to come. So even if seasons of suffering are upon us, we see God's heart is for our good and that he will work that out for good, family. This is good news. However, 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 at times I believe there can be so much trial in our life that you begin to think that's all there is in life is trial. And the enemy can begin to make you think that there is no good for those who are in Christ. And while I believe our church is so much stronger and so much holier and so much more mature, and I think that so many of us are so much more rooted in the faith because of the season that was to come. We are able to endure in suffering. I also know that God is not some malicious God who takes pleasure in the suffering of his people. Because if he did, there would be suffering in heaven. And there is no tear. There is no trial where we are going. Because God is for your good, family. And even though we live on this locust-filled earth and our sin at times even invites the locust to come in through our windows of our heart and to feast on the harvest that is there, even though hardship will be present on earth, God also wants to give you glimpses into heaven as well, reminding us of what is to come, giving us vision into our future lot. Small samples, small foretaste into the future glory. And we should receive those with joy when they come, family. Now, I'm not promising blessing, right? I understand how this could sound. And so don't make me sound like some false teacher by taking a 30 minute clip and putting it on YouTube without the context of the sermon, making me sound like Creflo Dollar in this mug, right? I'm just saying. Uh, But Joel 2 is not just in here for a story, family. It's not just like, oh, let me tell you the story that happened. It's in here for our instruction, 2 Timothy 3, right? There are times where blessing rain comes and these are fun seasons. Does this mean that there are no locusts in that season? No, right? In irony, locusts go where there are harvest, okay? If everything is dead, there's nothing for them to eat so they don't come. We'll talk about spiritual warfare next week and why there's seasons of this heaviness that is felt, but often they come because there is good that is involved. So even in good, we can expect locusts to try to eat. However, there are also seasons of plagues 
where the sun and the sky is darkened because of all the locusts. And there are seasons of just a few of them that as long as we stay rooted in the vine, they can be kept out of our life. There's this protection. And I feel like this is the season we're headed into. Now, unless people mistake this blessing and this goodness based on their own efforts, notice what Joel does even here in this passage. In verse 25, he twice mentions that it is Yahweh that is actually bringing these blessings upon his people, that it is God's goodness, it is God's faithfulness. He will be the one that brings it, not their effort, not their work, not all of the tilling of the soil. God is going to bring it. We have to recognize that reality. God is the giver of good. There's ways to receive it when it comes. Notice verse 26, right? They eaten, 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 y'all. They ain't doing that choice steak. They ain't doing that select steak. They eating that prime steak, y'all. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Or that plump portobello mushroom for my New Year's filled vegetarian Austinites, right? 26, they're receiving, right? They're receiving, they're doing something, they're actually eating, they're, they're, they're consuming, they're, they're taking pleasure in the things that God has given them. And you have to receive when good comes. You have to receive it, family. But notice this beautiful transition that happens. You see, the physical blessings, they actually pave way for a deeper, a more uh, a intimate, a more significant spiritual blessing that comes as well. I mean, the physical blessings are cool and all. You may get some fertile trees and, and some wine and some not dead grass, but if that's it, then that's it. And is that all your soul really wants? It's just a little bit of material blessing to make life a little bit easier and then you have nothing else when it's all said and done. Or does your soul thirsting for the more fine wine Right? Does your soul take this thirst of what is material in this wine? And does that wine turn into a bloodthirst for your heart? Do you desire the blood of Jesus over your life to consume of something that much more sweeter? You see, this passage isn't as much about the ease of life as it is about intimacy with Christ, family. And so physical blessing, it paves way or it makes space. It rolls out the red carpet to a much more significant spiritual blessing that comes the very presence of God. The removal of shame, which can only be found in deep intimacy and in God's deep presence. I feel like that's a word for somebody in here today. I think that you've been trying to find the removal of shame in all of these other ways and shame removal at its fullest in the way that your soul desires is only found in intimacy with Christ. As God's presence comes in your life, there will be no shame any longer, which you see there's this true joy that is there for Israel. There's this true restoration, this true blessedness that comes with intimacy and connection with Christ. You know, even though I walk through the valley, he is with me, Christ's presence, so that even if suffering comes, it doesn't really matter that much because I have Jesus, meaning no matter what hell my soul may realize on earth, there is something more significant that's happening when I get Christ. So that even if this year for you, beloved, is a year of trouble, if your soul receives more of Christ, 
through that trouble, then you have a thousand times more than the person that only got material good. Because Jesus is worth it. True joy, true rejoicing, true blessedness comes as we are with him. And Joel 2 is in the Bible for a reason. And I'm sensing even that sort of blessing for us, that there may have been a distance from Christ felt in time of worship, in time with the word, in time of prayer, that I think Jesus wants to display his goodness to you, beloved, in rich and unique and in beautiful ways, if you would receive that type of joy as well. And so it's not just the joy of material blessing, of a lack of suffering or locusts or hardship. It's also the joy of spiritual blessing that is promised here as well. But then notice that verse 27 actually does what verse 25 and 26 does, and it paves way for an even deeper blessing as well. Because God is a God of abundance, of benevolence, of blessing. He does not want to just bestow one upon you, but so much so that you are not able to receive it. And so verse 27 paves way for verse 20, or verse 26 paves way for verse 27. And then comes the even greater blessing of the Spirit of God. In other words, not just God around us, but literally God within us, moving within us in these powerful ways to display his presence, not just to ourselves, but even to people around us as well. So verse 27, intimacy with God paves way for verse 28, where God is so united with us that we are doing the very work of restoration with God and displaying God to people around us. Come on, y'all. This is crazy. Y'all feel what I'm saying here? Like, like, Like God wants to use some of you in this season. Like you, right? who may have felt distant or hurt or wounded from suffering. Like like God wants to so unify with you that not just is this next season a little bit easier and not just are you connected to Christ, but you're literally displaying God, like the very presence of God because of how much is coming out through you. This is what God wants to do to fill your life, family. This is what the promise is. Remember I said there's these Psalm 23 references all throughout this series. This week is verse three where David says of God, he restores my soul. If you don't know what the word restores means, just go do a Bible study on that this week and look at all the times it uses the word restore. It'll be really helpful, maybe even healing for you. But God wants to restore, to lead you on paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Think that God wants to restore. Some of us physically, materially, some of us in our relationship with God, but then I believe he wants to bless us and use us as well, which is how Peter actually knew that Acts 2 was actually the fulfillment of this idea of Joel 2, because God was beginning to infuse everybody in such significant ways, family, that even the servants, or that word should better be translated, the slaves were actually receiving the outpouring of the Holy Spirit as well. These slaves were likely Gentiles. In Acts chapter two, these Gentiles are now filled with the spirit of God and being moved by God, which means the beginning of Joel two fulfillment has happened, which means for all of us who believe in Jesus, we also can receive that filling of the spirit to be used by God, family. This is the promise of scripture that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus may be saved, may have intimacy with God and may be used by God. This is good news. This is the promise 
and the expected longing of Joel chapter two. Joel expects it and he commands his people, receive God's good, receive God's good. Biblical commentator, Leslie Allen said this of this passage. So the prophet saying of an event that God was about to create, the community is urged to take a joyous leap of faith and to transcend the dismal present by praising him for what is as good as done since his word guarantees its fulfillment. Is Romans 8, 28 not in the Bible? Is it too cliche for us to apply to our lives as well? All right, and here's the truth of all of this, y'all. It's that even if this week, even if this year, even if this decade, Even if this lifetime is a hard lifetime for you, there is a deeper and a more intimate and a more beautiful truth than all the abundant crops of the world ever will have to offer. So that even if Joel 2 is not true immediately, you know that it will be true in the end because everyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus will find salvation. That does not just mean being saved from your sins. That means the restoration of your soul, beloved. That is the promise of those of us in Christ. You see, Jesus actually became the wild beast in the wilderness that was suffering, like we see there in verse 20, as he was sold for the price of a marred ox, the, the, the prophets tell us about Christ. And he became that dry field that was withered up on that tree as that dry thorny crown was pressed upon his skull. And Jesus became the famished one, just like the land is here as he thirsted there on the cross. Jesus became suffering itself so that we who should be suffering for all of eternity might now have eternal and abundant life as we turn to him. Because God is for your good, family. He came that you might have life and have life abundantly, not just eternal life, but abundant life as well, that you might know the joys and the rejoicing that is found for those of us who are in Jesus so that even in seasons of Joel chapter one, your soul can know that Joel chapter two is coming because you are a believer because Jesus took your suffering family. This is the reality of the cross of Christ. This is what we get to walk into. We can believe the prophecy of Joel 2 because it's already been partially fulfilled and it will continue to be fully fulfilled as the church of God lives it out until Christ comes back and makes it complete and whole, family. And so a couple of applications and then let's worship our Savior together, okay? Uh, First of all, in light of the reality of that gospel, I wanna tell you that even if sorrow might last for the night, it is not in vain, family. Joy is coming, if you believe in Jesus, even in sorrows and even in trials, the Lord may be tilling the land of your heart to produce the fruit that is so sweet for you to be able to enjoy that all the suffering in the world would not compare with the taste that is to come. Endure hardships. That's the application. Endure hardships when they come. For those of us who it'll be a hard week, or a hard year, remember that does not render Joel 2 false. God may be tilling the ground of your heart to produce a much sweeter wine for you to enjoy, family. You hear me? Endure hardship in that. Listen, y'all, the second application, if it stays hard, okay? Like, Like no one runs to suffering, by the way, but God uses suffering or persecution or whatever to reveal those who are truly his. 
You follow him? So while we do not rejoice at suffering, family, for those of you that have suffered over the past year, two years, three years, you are still here and that should be encouraging because that means that you are his. If nothing else, if suffering was not for your sanctification, if it was not so that God may prepare you to use you in a much greater and more significant way in the future, if suffering serves no other purpose than to display to your soul that despite the hell that you go through, that heaven is still your destination, if, if the only thing that suffering proves is that after all is said and done, you are still in Christ and you are still worshiping, that you have not planted the faith and that suffering was well worth it, y'all. You hear me? Because if locusts and valleys cannot detour you from God, then what the heck can? If you are still in Christ, then you're Christ. You are his. Praise God. Praise God for this glorious gift. So if you're still suffering, point two is the same as point one. Endure. Because it proves you are his. But once again, family, I feel that for many of us, we are in a season of harvest that is coming. And if this is true for you, then I have three really quick applications. One is comfort the afflicted. Real simple, but that's the application. If you're in a season of good, God gives you that comfort that you may be able to comfort others who need it. And so comfort the afflicted. Second application is that in Joel chapter 2, verse 12, let me read this just real quick for us. It says, yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all of your heart and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Joel chapter 2 makes clear that blessing came from repentance that a lot of times locusts are in our life because of our own sin. It's not just the world that we live in. We invite them in through the windows of our soul. But as they repent, they actually got more of God as a result. Y'all, I don't think you heard me. That's wild. Their sin should have separated them from God. But as a result of their sin, what they actually saw was more of God's abundant mercy and his slow to anger and his steadfastness. They got more of God. And so what we see in chapter two, family, is that where sin abounded, grace actually super abounded. You saw the wholeness of God more. This is how God makes up for what the locust has stole. He creates a super harvest of his own intimacy and of relationship with him. And so what sin tried to mar is not stronger than what grace can redeem, family. So if locusts are in your life because of sin, repent and receive God's mercy and his abundant grace and his steadfast love for you. Watch him draw you into even greater intimacy than before. That's what Joel 2 promises. For others though, Last application, it wasn't really sin that created these locusts. It was just the fallen world that we are in. And maybe God is indeed pouring out a harvest on your soul this year. Listen, y'all, it is possible to have good and then to not receive good. First Thessalonians 5 says, the will of God for us is to rejoice in Christ. 
Philippians chapter four says, rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. It tells us to rejoice in times of trial, to have joy, to take joy, to receive joy because you can have God bestowing his goodness upon you and not receive that at all. And therefore enter yourself back into suffering, even in seasons of harvest. Let me say it like this. A lot of people, uh, they actually looked at Jesus, but only a few people saw Jesus. You feel me? It's possible to kind of act like you're looking for God, but to not actually see God, to not behold him for who he is. And so be looking for God. What we do is we see the goodness that he does and we're grateful for that. We're able to walk in that joy. We, we bless God for the good. We recognize how he's moving in favor, in mercy, in steadfastness, in abundance, in graciousness, in faithfulness. We see him moving in our life and we worship him for that. And that roots our hearts in him. So receive God's good, family. Okay, I'm out of time, all right? Um, I'm praying for restoration for our family, Amen. for you, as individuals, that you would receive God's harvest in this season, that blessings would pour out over this church family. And as we continue to push back darkness and by God's grace, advance the kingdom of God in this world, we know that there's going to be seasons of trial and there's gonna be seasons of great victory and great joy. And for those of us in Christ, we can hold both of these at the same time because what we recognize because of the cross is that despite the season, God is good. But the underlying reality of scripture is that it's not just that God is good, he is good for you. So that even in seasons of suffering, he's preparing for you an eternal weight of glory that you would not even be able to believe, family. But I believe he wants to give glimpses even today. And so I pray that you would receive the joy of the Lord this year. That you would rejoice that God would restore to you all that the locust has stolen. Amen. 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 Let it be, God. I love you guys. Let's pray. God, I wanna pray over these men and women right now. Holy Spirit of God, that you would bring significant joy, good blessing into their life. God, I pray for those that came in this room this morning that do not have relationship with you, that they're trying to figure out this whole Christianity, this whole gospel church sort of thing. I pray they would see no matter how many blessings come, that there is a much more significant blessing that is relationship with you. My friend, today you may have come in unknowing where your relationship is with God. I want you to know that because of Jesus, if you believe in him, you can have intimacy with the God of the universe. You can have relationship with him. You can have a presence and a healing. The shame can be wiped away. No more shame, this text says, because Jesus was shame, was sin on that cross so that you might receive the goodness of God as you believe in him. Put your faith in him today. Trust him today. Follow him today. And God, for those of us who have put our faith in you, we have trusted you. God, I pray for endurance for my brothers and sisters who may be suffering, who, who may be in hardship. Would you please create endurance? That comes from you, Holy Spirit of God. 
you are the one that can endure. In fact, you've endured with us throughout all generations and you still love the same. Your love has not changed for humanity. You endure, give us your endurance. But God, where season of harvest has come, where you're removing the locusts in life, I pray that we would receive it, God. We would not be afraid to enter into this joy, this blessing, this goodness that you have, Jesus. And so whether lament or whether it's time to just be still and know that you are God or whether celebration and joy, I pray, Jesus, that we would receive more and more and more of you, Christ. I pray right now for faith in our hearts that we would say because of the truth of the scriptures that we desire more of you and because of that, you will give yourself to us, Christ. That you would bestow your blessing and your power and your beauty and your goodness over these brothers and sisters right now, Jesus, in your powerful name. Would there be intimacy with you? Would you be exalted in our heart and in our life, Jesus? Restoration, I pray in your name. Knowing God, I pray in your name. Endurance, I pray in your name, Jesus. We love you, Christ. We bless your name, your beautiful name, Jesus. Amen. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. If you want more information about us or how to get further connected, please visit our website, thewellaustin.com.